0: it's time for jt the brick i am jt the brick focused black hole getting in there ready to rock i got my a game i've been there with the raider nation in the black hole i've been in this rivalry i've seen it in my 24 years here it's a do or die game can't let them win in vegas protect the house Protect the Legion Stadium. Be ready to go. No half-ass effort. You don't need a PhD. You don't need some expert on CNN or Fox News teaching you about fandom. I just told you. JT the Brick. I'm on a roll right now, so let me go. Hey, JT. Yes. I love you, and I love your show, Thank you. That's what the Raiders are based on. Al Davis, the history of the Raiders. They were always banged up. They were always taped up. They had blood coming through their helmets, and they played. The 11 Angry Men. I'm not encouraging injuries. I'm encouraging violence. So that's where we are. Raider Nation. Simply put, man up and play football and win a game. And now, that's a hell of a motivational speech. Here's JT the Brick. Yes, we're out of the gate. JT live from Raiders headquarters. I didn't think that Dave Ziegler would hear my open with a headset on.
1: Man, I'm ready to
0: go. <laughs> Good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for joining us exclusively here today. I could say this right out of the gate, a whirlwind for you. Yep. The last 48, you know, three days or so, your entire staff. So let's open it up. What's it like now to take a step back and get to meet the players over the phone, make the call, have some in the building, yeah. and look back on what you did?
1: Um, well, the the call part, I mean, it's just – it's. Um, It's an emotional part of the weekend just because you know how someone's life has been impacted of, you know, you're getting to tell someone um, something that they've been working their whole life for. And it's a dream for them and it's a dream for their family. And it's it's a I mean, it's a ridiculously rare accomplishment to get drafted by an NFL team when you step back and you think about it. And so those calls are really special. They're really fun. And it's exciting. It's a it's a rewarding part of the weekend. Uh, Stepping back is um, there's a lot of excitement. Um, There's a lot of, um, you know, encouraging things that we see with the draft class that we put together. And then there's also some reflection on some things that, you know, you would do differently um, from a strategic standpoint. And, you know, you, you always you always I always like to go back and, you know, Um, be hard on ourselves and and you know there's a couple things I've learned here and there that you know we'll all apply differently next year and and um, that's a part of the process too and so uh, but we're really excited about this class Um, it was a fun weekend it was a whirlwind and um, you know I think we improved the team.
0: Uh, Before we get into the picks, the Al Davis moment with you, Peter King was there. We heard from Peter King on our flagship station earlier today. What did that mean for you now? Because the first time it wasn't rushed, but you didn't have your whole scouting department there. You reflect on year one. You didn't have a first and second round pick due to Devontae, which was a great move. How did it change this time for you with your calmness, the coolness of your entire room as you put the plan together and then you had to execute it?
1: Yeah, I think it's, you know um – just like you when you're in school and you're preparing for a test, you know, if you're not very prepared, there's a lot more anxiety and angst um, going into, you know, going into taking that test. And so I felt like with uh, the group that we had put together and having a full year, Brandon Jurgen is our college director, Champ Kelly, obviously our assistant GM, heavily involved. Um, and the other group of guys that we've that we've put together are national scouts, DeWan Daniels, Andy Dangler, um, Sean Harrock. Um, Lenny McGill like we just have a lot of experience we put a lot of work in we put a lot of time and effort into this from the fall all the way up until uh, Thursday and so we felt prepared and that preparation came across as I'd say an environment that was calm cool and collective on on game day if you will
0: I want to ask you about the senior bowl with Patrick Graham as one of the head coaches your staff being down there your scouts how big of an impact did that have when you had to make some – and we'll get to the individual ones in here in a few minutes. But when you had to go, that's the move we have to make. It's coming towards us. Put in the offseason in the senior bowl.
1: Yeah, the senior bowl was a, um, a piece of the puzzle that we normally maybe wouldn't have if our coaches weren't involved. And that piece of the puzzle, um, what that what that gave us was information. We can see the tape and all that stuff, mm-hmm. like everybody gets that. We were able to get some inside information on what they were like in the meeting rooms, how they prepared, what their football intelligence was, how they interacted with teammates, a lot of the intangible things that um, you would not normally get unless you had a coach involved. And so those definitely had... Um, Made us feel more comfortable about certain players versus other players, knowing
0: the full picture on on their um,
1: on their experience at the Senior Bowl.
0: Dave Ziegler joins us. Let's get to the draft and Tyree Wilson. So I was predicting either Witherspoon or Gonzalez. I thought that was a need. I thought Jalen Carter was in play with the Seahawks at five. Yeah. And then when we found out behind the scenes, you wanted a couple of quarterbacks to come off the board mm-hmm. to have some defensive opportunities there. Walk us through that in real time because Tyree Wilson is the pick you wanted, but as the board was Moving, you're a GM. Phone's ringing. You're on the phone. Yeah. Walk me through that experience as you have your eye on Tyree Wilson, but he could be gone.
1: Yeah, that's where there's the, the angst and anxiety yeah. comes as you're kind of looking at that. But as um, as we mentioned, you know, we'll, almost almost every pick that we go into, including this, including our first pick in the um, in the draft this year, you know, we have a group depending on 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 what the supply and demand is, four or five players that we're going to be comfortable picking and. Um, Yeah, we felt like if three quarterbacks went before we picked that we were going to have a shot at one of the non quarterback, you know, the defensive players, that's who it turned out to be really, uh, including Paris Johnson, we felt like we were going to be able to get one of those players. And so um, once that um, the Colts picked um, Anthony Richardson, the you know the the temperature in the room went down. Everyone was excited and felt like we were going to get you know a really good football player there. And Tyree was a guy that we identified early in the process as one of the top defensive players in the draft. Uh, one of the players that we felt had a very high ceiling. And a player that was just impressive on tape, his length, his explosiveness, his versatility in terms of alignment, versatility, and where he could affect the quarterback from. And we think the sky's the limit with him. And we also love the intangibles and mm-hmm. we love his mindset and we love um, the kid itself. We had him here for a 30 visit, which right. you know got to spend some extra time with him. So, um, yeah, just
0: fell our way. And, and uh, you know, we feel like we got one of the best defensive players in the draft. Dave Ziegler joins us. So at that time, a lot of the fans and a lot of analysts said, okay, if you're going to go up and you wanted to kick the doors initially with Chicago to get a quarterback, or maybe at number 2 if you like C.J. Stroud, or if you like Richardson or Levis, who it was, when did that point come where, no, we're not going quarterback here. This is the guy we want. We know that because quarterback felt like it wasn't a need with Jimmy Garoppolo.
1: Yeah, just through the process, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, all the way starting, um, you know, at the Combine. And then obviously we did a lot of visits um, Mm -hmm. during the Pro Day visits and spent time with a lot of people and had guys here for the 30 visits. And there were some other, you know, meetings that we had with, you know, with that group. And ultimately, um, you know, we just felt like... um, based on the pool of players, the quarterbacks that were available in our current situation Mm -hmm. here, um, you know, that we felt comfortable with where we're, where we were at with Jimmy and, and um, you know, with uh, Brian here as the backup and just didn't feel like at that point of the draft that, um, you know, one of those one of those other non defensive players was the best fit for us.
0: Dave Ziegler joins us. I wanted to share this with you. I didn't share this with you. I was at the draft party and I was sitting with Max and Chandler. They were in one of the cabanas and I was getting ready to go up on stage at some point. I've known Max since he's come here and he, you know, you reached out to him. Everyone knew. Max showed me it, and I was like, Woo, because Chandler was sitting there. I want to tell you it was one of the classiest things I've ever seen. Chandler Jones lit up. And he's like, I'm going to mentor that guy. And Max pumped his fist. That's interesting. The two people that play similar positions were so excited to welcome in a new brother. I thought that was important to share because of the energy at that time. They both understood it.
1: Yeah, two special individuals that, you know, put the team first. Um, both Max and Chandler, and, and uh, they want to see us win football games. And they know that, um, you know, an, an effective defensive line, how important, important that is to a defensive success. And they also understand that the best defensive lines come in waves. Right. And there's a lot of players that, um, you know, are, uh, allow each individual player to stay fresh, to be as disruptive as possible. And, um, you know We love both of those two guys, Chandler and Max, what they bring on the field, what they bring off the field, and that's just a great example of, again, the type of team-first environment we're try- trying to build here.
0: Now, before we get to Byron Young, and I want to go through all your picks, yep. what's the best-case scenario you could give the fans about how Chandler can be on the field at the same time with Wilson and Max? like It doesn't have to be on the first play of the season. Sure, But if a team starts off on the 25 and they get to the 35 and you're starting to bring different packages in, yeah. what's a scenario where the fans can understand that three of your defensive stars that play similar positions will be out there at once?
1: Yeah, well, we feel like with, with Tyree specifically and, and, and uh, with Chandler also and with Max also to a degree that – Um, but Tyree's lined up all over the line of scrimmage. And and so um, his length, his explosiveness, it translates for him to be able to rush off the edge. It translates for him to be able to rush inside. And I think those other two guys can do that too. And I think what we're going to have the ability to do here this year is um, you know, focus on some of the, when we, when we go into a game, we identify what some of the weak links and some of the problem areas that um, the other teams have, whether that's a guard, whether that's a center, whether that's a tackle. We have three different players now that we can kind of piece together and, and match up in specific matchups week in and week out um, to cause havoc and, and to cause disruption. And we think all three of those guys can rush from the from the edge and from the inside. But Tyree's, um, you know, showed it this year, his ability to do both. And so there'll be packages where all three of those guys are out on the field um, causing disruption. And and I would say this too, and, and I want to make this point, like, whether it's Tyree, whether it's Michael Mayer, like, here's the reality. Like, all those guys start at the bottom of the depth chart. Yeah. And they're all going to have to earn their way and they're going to all have to earn their keep. And that's the message that we that our team knows that Mm -hmm. and our team understands that. And so um, he's going to have to earn it. um, But if he reaches his potential, there's going to be,
0: you know, a package where easily those guys can all uh, be effective at the same time. You know what the alumni mean to both of us and what it means to Mark Davis, Michael Mayer. Goes to the post. 87, Dave Casper, same number at Notre yeah. Dame. Tim Brown at Notre Dame. Yep. Were you shocked, surprised? Did you have any scenario where he would be there in the second round? Because you want to go up and get him in the first round. He's one of your highest-rated players. How did you think about that when you went home at night going, I'm going to get this player. I just got to figure out how to do it?
1: Yeah, um, we. W- I was surprised that yeah. he was still available. I thought Michael was um, – him and Dalton were the the top two tight ends in the draft, and I did think they would uh, pr- most likely go in the first round. And so, um, yeah, there was some excitement on our end once we got through the first round. And um, as as you know, we mentioned the Peter King article. We, Peter King article. We explored some opportunities to move back up at the end of the first round, and that didn't materialize. And so, yeah, we we um, came back in on Friday morning and started to look at okay, here's who's available. Um, and started to um, explore some trade opportunities to move up and to get a player like like Michael Mayer, um, a person like Michael Mayer, the leadership, the passion for football, and then just his skill set on the football field, which I think is unique. He has, um, for a bigger tight end, he has a unique set of – Short area explosiveness, short area quickness where you can see him separate. You can see him uh, make some guys look silly at the college level that were defensive backs, not just linebackers and things like that. So we were really excited that he was available um, at that
0: time, and we were aggressive to go up and get him. Dave Ziegler is our guest. What impact did Nick Saban and his staff have on getting Byron Young from Alabama? I know the relationship from the Belichick years to coming. I don't know your relationship with Nick Saban. This is a big pick, number 70. And I know we're going to talk about rotational players, but this is someone who's got to have an impact. He's a high pick for you. Yeah. Talk about the communication with Alabama on this.
1: Yeah, well, uh, Josh, you know, was a GA for for Nick at Michigan State, and so and and Josh's relationship with Nick goes even back farther than that because um, Josh's dad, who was a uh, you know one of the top high school coaches in Northeast Ohio for a very long time and had a ton of prospects, him and uh, Nick and Josh's dad go way back, oh, and that's okay. how um, Josh got connected with Nick. And so, yeah, we talked to Nick. Um, um, Josh talked to Nick throughout the process on all the different prospects that Alabama puts out, which is a ton. And so we felt really good about Byron as, as the person and um, as the um, football character mm-hmm. and, and, and a person that's going to be motivated to get the best of their ability as a player loved his length inside loved his physicality reset the line of scrimmage um, loved his ability to separate from blocks and make tackles in the run game and we also see you know as he said he'll have to earn his way onto third down and things of that nature but we did some see some early down pass disruption too and it didn't necessarily materialize itself into big sacks but when you just watch the film he's in he can get on the edge Um, he's able to power power guards power centers disrupt quarterbacks disrupt the pocket and it doesn't maybe, again, materialize into sack numbers, but there's
0: disruptive plays in there that we are excited about. I think we just had Rhett Lewis on, as I told you, from NFL Network, and he made a good comparison to the amount of pressures he got compared to Jalen Carter. It was close. Everybody thinks that Jalen Carter, who's a great player, had these numbers that compare to Aaron Donald, but when we look at what we get with Byron Young and what he's able to do, he's pretty close in regards to those not only a great character player, very important to you, but his numbers were no joke, and he played in a lot of games. He did. Played in a lot of games, very durable, very tough, very
1: physical. If you come out of that program mm-hmm. um, and you're one of the top players at Alabama, you're a good football player. And so, yeah, we expect him, you know, uh, again, he's going to have to in his way. We expect him to make an impact,
0: and um, that's going to be a very competitive room. Dave Ziegler joins us. So with truth, transparency, you hear my show from time to time. I'm screaming defense, screaming the whole offseason. And this is where I was going, whoa, okay, because yeah. I thought you were going to pound linebacker maybe an offensive lineman, maybe go corner a little bit earlier, and then you go Trey Tucker before we get to Bennett, the cornerback. What was the moment there like? Because obviously if you were going to take Trey – You had to feel like you had defensive players left on your board you knew you were going to get. And there's some players there that you might go back and say, I wish we would have got that guy a couple of years from now. How critical was that season, uh, that decision to go with a young wide receiver out of Cincinnati who's going to impact the team? Yeah, well, we we had pick 100 and we had pick
1: 109, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so there's a group of players there that we felt that we could get kind of between 100 and 109. Um, with Trey specifically, um, one, let me say, we see Trey as a wide receiver and, and not just a slot receiver. Excellent. We think Trey can play on the inside. We think Trey can play on the outside. We think his quickness and his speed um, and his route running ability, not just running vertical, but you if you watch his tape, um, he catches a lot of balls over the middle, a lot of balls in traffic, and um, he's a hard guy to stay with. And so we see him as a complete wide receiver that can move around the formation and make plays as a receiver. His speed and quickness is very unique. Um, it stands out on tape. And so he also has that element of a guy that you can get the ball in space to, um, along with his ability as a returner, um, along with his ability as a gunner, which is kind of unique for a guy that's his size to see a guy run down the field and, and tackle punt returners and things like that. But he did that at Cincinnati. Um, he's from Akron Ohio right which so I know he's tough the wrestler um, yeah you know, you and so uh, which is a, you know where I grew up mm-hmm. was born and so um, yeah we just felt like it was a really versatile skill set and a very explosive player and uh, uh, again you can make arguments uh, on um, which I understand of mm-hmm. where he you know his consensus mock was and things of that right. nature and um, it might have been that might have been lower than where, where we picked him but on our board we felt very comfortable with the pick there and we felt like we were going to be able to either sit at 109 at the top of the fourth round and get a player that we wanted or what we ended up deciding to do was being a little bit aggressive there and go up and get Jacory.
0: That is a great segue as Dave Ziegler joins us to what this conversation is this conversation's all about. You're getting your guys. You're not getting mock draft guys. Correct. You're not getting what another mock draft insider says. So this guy was clearly targeted by you and coach yep. and when you line him up in the slot or wide if he makes a head fake he's gone. He's the type of guy with Devontae on the other side, Jacoby Myers, Hunter, whatever happens. Jimmy could come out and all of a sudden see him in a certain coverage, and he's gone because no one can keep up with him. Yeah. He can get behind the back end of a defense. That's right,
1: and we, and we love that explosiveness, yeah. and it's something we wanted added to the team. And I would just say this. Again, best player available, um, which is something we've talked about a lot, mm-hmm. um, best player available is the, the film goes into that, the football intelligence goes into that, the football character goes into that. And so that's what goes into our best player available.
0: We can't just rely on uh, the the tape alone. It's your scouts. It's your work here. Benedict Corner, interesting, as everyone's saying, will Ringo be the fit because the dogs are going to Philly and what's going to happen there? Another one that you had circled, this was a player I get the impression you were going to get no matter what. If you had to go get him in the third, if you were going to get him in the fourth or have to move up, walk me through that pick
1: yeah well the um once we drafted mayor let me go back once mm-hmm. we drafted mayor and went up to get him the corners went quick right um that was going to be the sacrifice which we mm-hmm. understood and so um, the second round a lot of the corners that um you know were in that sweet spot in the second round went which wasn't surprising and uh, jacorian was right in that mix mm-hmm. and so to see again there's a little bit of a strategic element of understanding where potentially guys can go and and, and again there's a there's a Success and failure rate to that, but Jacorian was a guy that our our coaching staff um, really really liked our, our scouts really liked. Um, We saw an improvement in his play from 20, um, 21 to 22. His ability to find the ball um, and consistently make plays on the ball, which he did a lot of. His speed, um, his toughness, uh, again, his football character. So this was a guy. Again, he was the best. He was our top corner at that time when we were on the when we were on that pick when we considered all the elements that went into it. Well,
0: you made a point that a lot of fans. So we got a couple of fan questions for later on that they want to see guys who can get the ball. If the mm-hmm. ball's in their hands, they're going to intercept it. They're going to knock down the ball. And I could pivot also before we get back to your quarterback in Christopher Smith out of Georgia, too, yeah. with Bennett, guys on film that have a lot of takeaways. We've been waiting a long time around here before you got here to find guys who can catch the ball on defense and make a play and shorten the field. It seems like you have two here.
1: Yeah, um, Jacorian specifically, I think he was, you know, maybe the second in the last two years in terms of ball production. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of pass breakups. Um, a lot of plays on the ball, a lot of disruptive plays on the ball. And Chris was the same way. Mm-hmm. You know, you looked at Chris Smith and, and the um, the numbers aren't, don't jump. I think he ran right. a four, yeah. five, seven. He's not six-two or six-three. What he is, he's a really good football player. He's very instinctive. He understands how to read patterns um, and see the the pattern concept develop from the snap of the ball and put himself in, in himself in position to make plays. And um, just love the player uh, and and uh, love the pedigree on Christmas.
0: Well, Amari Bernie coming in, former corner linebacker at Florida. He had that interception, that big one against Utah. Instinctive player too. Dave, is the league going there where maybe 10 years from now or five, we're going to see bigger corners that morph into linebackers because they're just better in coverage, and maybe you got one here, someone you could throw out there in a certain package in a critical point in the game, and you know he'll find the football in the air, but at least he'll tackle and get to the ball carrier quickly.
1: Yeah, and I think you're, you're seeing the, the, the box safety that mm-hmm. used to, you know, that used to be a big part of the NFL doesn't really exist any anymore, or it's not as popular anymore because um, a safety that's just a run defender, you might as well have a linebacker on the field if they can't cover. And so I think we're seeing some of these, you know, tall, some of these safeties, you know, that have size that maybe would have been in that strong safety category, moving down into the linebacker position. And and Bernie's one of those guys. Divine obviously mm-hmm. did that too. And as Josh uh, as Josh said when we talked about Bernie, there's a lot of dirty plays on tape. And what we mean by that is just around the football. There's a strip. There's a fumble recovery. There's an interception. There's a sack. He's just one of these guys that consistently found himself around the football and consistently made plays around the football, and so we love that. We love the upside about it, of of his development at the linebacker position. He'll be an. We think he's going to be an impact player in the kicking game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we went down for the pro day to see Anthony, you know, Anthony Richardson, and we spent some time with Anthony the night before, and. Um, this guy, the, Bernie, was the. I love how that works. You know, Bernie yeah. was a star of the show down there too. Um, you know, some guys had him at a four four eight between a four four eight and a four five one. The testing numbers were exceptional. The workout was really good, and then just talking to some people there on campus. Uh, one of the just the top flight kids in the program in terms of leadership and just passion
0: for core values that yes. you like. Wrapping up with Dave Ziggler. Let's get to the quarterback O'Connell. Yeah. So a lot of fans said well, Hendon Hooker's still available Mm -hmm. after day one, and Will Levis is dropping. This was a serious plan by you. You had to get a quarterback, a backup to start, obviously, not some star who could start year one. So this philosophy is really unique to me because, again, there were defensive players there and offensive linemen that could have helped you. Why'd you go quarterback there? Yeah, well, first, Aiden was a guy that you know we identified early in the fall as
1: someone that we felt was going to fit. Um, and so we were excited about the player. When you watch Aiden O'Connell's tape, you see a lot of NFL throws. You see a lot of tight window anticipation throws from the pocket. Liked his mobility in the pocket. Now, a lot of people are going to say he's not an athlete that doesn't run. That's true. He's not maybe a, a sprinter there, mm-hmm. but he knows how to maneuver in the pocket. He knows how to have um, escapability within the pocket to get throws off. And and so we liked the arm talent. We liked, um, like I said, his his ability to make tight window throws. And then we really liked all the intangibles and all the neck up qualities as we went through. He was a guy that started as the eight string quarterback there, yeah. and and fought his way up. And so what we to go back into your question though, um, you know, just through some research and through some of the intel that we do throughout the draft, we felt like there was going to be a run on quarterbacks, and we knew some of the teams that had. Um,
0: you know, had, a, had their eyes on Aiden. Yeah, there were specific teams that had their eye on him. Correct. If you didn't get him there, you weren't going to get him.
1: That's what we felt like, right. you okay. know, right, wrong, or indifferent. Fair enough. Yeah. And so that's kind of – that's how we saw it. And, and so we wanted to get in front of a couple of those teams to make sure we got, we got him when we did. Because, you know, the one thing, too, that goes into this is, um, as we've experienced the last couple of years, trying to find the backup in free agency is um, – Is not really what we want to do. Um, One, they're players that typically are costing now um, anywhere between four plus million dollars, three, five, four plus million dollars, and you're making that investment in a player that also might not know your system. So you're paying four or five million dollars for a backup quarterback. They also have to come in and learn the system. To be able to add a player um, on a rookie deal that we know is going to be here for four years, that we're going to be able to mold and groom in our system in a cost effective um, situation is something that um, philosophically philosophically for us is something that we believe in
0: lastly on the player personnel what can you share with us with the undrafted free agents that you're comfortable telling us about as this process is happening now yeah
1: um again our group does a phenomenal mm-hmm. job you know led by brandon Jurgen and champ kelly uh, that and, and, and all our area scouts and our coaches, that's their time to shine. Yeah. That's where they really—I um, put it in their hands, and they run with it and And you're go. demanding
0: with them. This yes. is what they get paid to do. That's why they're
1: here. that's why they're here. And, they're here. and yeah. so we let them do their thing. And uh, yet last year, I think they proved um, that they're pretty effective in that way. Sam Webb, Luke Masterson, Isaiah. Um, we had a lot of players that were signed as college free agents last year that made the 53. Um, you know Curtis McClendon, the the guard from yeah. Chattanooga. It was a really highly um, thought after. I can't after. believe he didn't
0: get drafted. I thought that was a great find. Yeah, and,
1: and he was a guy that had a lot of competition yeah, uh, in okay. the college free agency process. So excited about him. Um, and you know all those guys are going to have an opportunity to earn their keep. And as we tell all our guys and we tell our players that are on the already on the roster, we don't care where you come from. Um, we care what you do
0: when you get here, and we're going to give you the opportunity to earn your keep. Couple of questions from our fan, versatile players. You seem to say that a lot. One of our fans say they want to know exactly what you mean by that because you have versatile players up front on both lines, offense and defensive, and it seems like you took some players here that are so versatile you can move them around. Yes. Position versatility is uh, for a few different reasons is really important
1: to us Mm -hmm. one a guy that can line up and impact the game at different spots um it makes it harder for offenses to prepare for a defense when you have guys that are moving around and they have to try to locate them and they try to have to you know form their plan around some educated guesses or where players are going to be and so having guys that can do that um is important. The second part of that, whether it be the offensive line, whether it be a receiver, a running back, whatever, whatever you whatever you call it, whatever position, um, their ability to play more than one spot throughout the course of a 17-game season um, is really important because we know injuries are going to happen. We know there's going to be Knicks. Um, we know that there's going to be times where guys are going to have to step in into a new role. And for, to have guys that have experience doing that and aren't learning it for the first time, um, we think is a, a really
0: key element of team building. Dave Ziegler, as we wrap it up, one more question from a fan: Between now and training camp, do you plan on adding additions to the O line, or do you seem to be set with this group? We'll see.
1: Um, mm-hmm. You know, we'll see what resources are are available and what's out there, and we'll see how this group continues to develop. Um, there's not a. There's not a. Um, a position on this team where we're not going to look to add a player that can help us if that's you know if that's what we identify with and those are conversations that you know we're going to we we have had but we'll continue to have and say uh, look at our roster look at where we have surpluses look at where we have needs and look at every other team in the league in the same light, um, along with those players that are still out on the mm-hmm. street front that weren't signed as UFAs. And right. so if we find a player that we feel that's going to upgrade the situation here or add competition, um, we're going to do that, and offensive line is no different.
0: You know, it's taken me a while to figure this out, just in football in general, following it this long, that you always want the Howie Long, you want Lester Hayes, Mike Haynes, Charles Woodson. But you're not always going to get them. And the way you're building this team, you seem to have guys that you know are versatile. They have to be faster, smarter, more explosive. And they have to be able to come in situationally and make big plays, even if they're coming off the field. And I want to end this by talking about character. A lot of guys don't want that. They want to play the whole game. They don't want to come off the field. And it seems like this building now is about a bunch of teammates that are going to be coming off the field and there's going to be someone right behind them that might not have the star status but they're going to get a a chance they're going to get a couple plays in a row if they play well they'll get more in the next game is that the versatility and the type of player you're trying to bring in
1: yeah and we're looking for guys that again we want guys that are going to put the team first and and again if a guy earns the ability to play out on all three downs and he can do it effectively then we're going to let him roll but Mm -hmm. there's just an element of when you build a football team the reality of the skill sets out there there's guys that are going to have roles on first and second down there's going to be third down only players um there's going to be guys that you know we want in the game um, in two minute situations at the end of the half or the end of uh you know the end of the game or what whatever, what whatever the situation may be and so yeah that's what we are looking for and and um we're also looking for guys again that have a passion for the game and, and the reason that's important for us is because we want guys that are driven to improve right. and driven to grow and um, And so that's another important piece of the puzzle for us. And so, yeah, the versatility, um, you're right. Guys are going to have certain roles. That's how we want to build this roster. And, And if they earn more, then we'll gladly put them out there.
0: I really appreciate all your time. Last question, Josh McDaniels, college friend, teammate, worked with him with the Patriots. He went to Denver. The time he came back here, year one to year two. Tell these fans something about him that can connect him with the fans even more about what you've learned from him your friendship as a teammate yep. to him evolving as a coach and how he can get the team to win more games
1: yeah great man and great person and he's a, he's a you know whatever the narrative is out there the reality is this these guys love playing for Josh McDaniels um, guys want to play for the Las Vegas Raiders so anything that's you know that these players don't want to come or this than that and I've seen a little bit of that um, narrative out there um, that's 100% false um, Josh is a great leader um, he has an open door, um, to an open, you know, open window with all these players, and he has a great relationship with this group. And that's why you saw the last past season when um, there was a couple ruts in the season where we lost three in a row. Um, I don't think we saw anything out there in the media of, you know, the strife in the locker room or, you know, um, issues here or a team that gave up at the end of the season That goes directly back to Josh McDaniels and his leadership, the relationships that he creates with these players, um, the way that he treats these players, uh, the way that he treats the staff and everybody in the building. Um, he's, He's one of the highest quality leaders that I've been around. He's one of the smartest football minds. Everybody knows that offensively that I've been around. Um, but that whole, the whole narrative of, um, you know, there, there's an ego involved or, um, again, it's his way or the highway and things of that nature. They're just, they're just false narratives. That's not how we operate here. That's not how he operates. And um, just a great, uh, a great man, a great friend. And a very smart football guy. And there isn't anybody I'd rather be doing this with than Josh McDaniels um, because of how qualified he is as a coach and how qualified he is as a leader.
0: Dave, thanks for the time and congratulations to your staff. They, need, they deserve a couple good dinners, some time back yeah. with their family now, huh?
1: Yeah, we're going to give them a little bit of time and, and then uh,
0: get right back at it and, and, and get ready for this next this season coming up. Thanks again. Thank you. Dave Ziegler, everybody. When we come back, my conversation with Rhett Lewis from earlier today, Raiders Roundtable with Q Myers. You're going to love this. He did a deep dive on the silver and black when we return.
1: Yep. He was part of that, you know, part of that group too. And ultimately we we felt like um, the guy we chose was uh, the best fit for us.
0: JT back with you. Thanks to Dave Ziegler. He gave us 32 minutes. That was nice. I hope I asked him all the right questions. You heard it about pivots in the draft, what direction he wanted to go in. I really appreciate Dave for coming in. We got a little bit of a change in programming. We were going to do an interview here, but we're going to go live to the phones on the interview and the draft. We only had one day to recap this draft, and you just heard from the GM exclusively. That's a long interview. We went pick-by-pick, philosophy, the coach at the end. Everything there for you to dissect, agree, disagree with. And the culture of the team going forward. So my takeaway from my conversation that just ended as Dave just walked out of the studio was they got the guys they wanted. Uh, He doesn't have big regrets or any regrets. There are some players that he'll be able to look back on in years to come and say, did I get the right guy? Should I have taken a tackle? Should I have taken another defensive type player? But they went with their board and they went with specific players that they think can change this team. And that's what every GM wants to do, but some GMs do it better than others. Some GMs take the best available player, they plug them in, they get really good players, and the team improves quickly. What I think the Raiders are trying to do, led by Dave Ziegler, is get specific needs with players that they are exclusively interested in because it fits their standard of character and the explosive, faster, smarter player. I mean, what he said about Trey Tucker was very interesting to me. Because we heard that from Rhett Lewis earlier, and we'll play that for you. And then Dave Ziegler told us about this Trey Tucker. Is he going to turn out you know, to be the greatest slot wide receiver of all time? Probably not. But can he make plays and fit into specifically what they want to evolve with with Jimmy Garoppolo? And he seems to be an explosive wide receiver, a Tyreek Hill-type player, but obviously not a Tyreek Hill who's a gold jacket guy, so you don't make that comparison. So with everything we're talking about here – I don't think there was one player that I mentioned to him that he wasn't confident specifically that they had that player in advance of the draft. Now, the board changes. Again, the big explanation I wanted was on Michael Mayer. What he was able to do with Michael Mayer was Michael Mayer was was on the board day two. They were going to get him no matter what, and they were able to do that. So what does that tell you about Dave Ziegler? If he sees a player he wants, he built up 12 draft picks to go in and dive back in and get the player he exactly wanted. Then, a little bit later on, uh, Byron Young, to me, is a really important player here. And I pressed him on that. Because at that point in time, I don't know, do you want a rotational player? He made it clear that he's not the typical rotational player. That room is very full, at defensive tackle. And they took him at number 70. And when I followed up with him, I said, you know, for the third pick, third-round pick at number 70, this guy's got to have an impact. In a room that has Jerry Tillery, Matthew Butler, John Jenkins, Neil Farrell, Bilal Nichols. I mean, is he going to be one of six guys, or is he going to have to stand up and be elite? I think he's got to be elite. They took him from Alabama with two national championships, playing with some of the best players ever to play under Nick Saban. Also, I was really interested to hear about that pick when I asked him about the connection they had with Nick Saban. And it goes back to Josh McDaniel's dad. So that is a really interesting resource that the Raiders had in that war room to make the right pick. So that was very interesting to me, too, on top of it. So all of the things that went down along the way here, uh, you can be critical of any pick you want. Trey Tucker, he explained that. Uh, Jacorian Bennett, the quarterback out of Maryland, he thinks he's got a ball hawk there along with Christopher Smith that intercepts the football. Who can argue with that? Who can argue with that? Who can argue that we don't know who's going to have more interceptions in the NFL? But they found the guys that they believe are going to get more interceptions in the NFL than the others they didn't select. Very interesting there. And I can tell you this much from talking to Dave as he left the studio. He likes Bernie, the linebacker out of Florida. A pick number 203 in round six. That was a player that they thought would have be been off their board. They were really excited to get him. And I think he's an important player because, you know, I didn't go into the whole depth chart with him. We had 30 minutes. I could only get so much in there. But they really thought that they had a great player there who's going to get on the field in situational times. And as I told you, with full transparency at the end of the interview, I'm starting to see that this relationship that he has with Mark Davis, the coaches, is that they're bringing in players now that have to impact the game. They're not players who are third string and backups. They might not be your typical starter, but they're going to get on the field. They're going to have an opportunity to impact the game. You know, I come from the old school where, you know, you got Lawrence Taylor. He stays on the field. You never take him off. That's not going to be the case with what they do with Tyree Wilson. He's going to come off the field a little bit there. But his impact, you want to see tremendous impact with him. This is a team, in my opinion, that is looking to add in during the game. They've already added him on the roster. They're here. They're in the building. But in the game, they're going to be able to add players in situations, third and nine, third and six, on defense, fourth and one, third and 16, that are going to be able to come in fresh, mix and match, and put out a better, much better cohesive unit than they've had in the past. I mean, I've, I've told you this. I've been honest with you all the time. I think there's a lot of players and there's a lot of depth on the team that aren't impact players. And I think they went in there to try to clean it up and get some players who will not only add depth but make some plays. 702-365-9200. 702-365-9200. You just heard from our... GM live. You should be live on the radio, either agreeing, disagreeing, and if you have other questions, let us know. Very generous, man. There's no one busier than that guy, and he jumped in there and gave us a lot of time. Really appreciate Dave Ziegler as we get going. The quarterback situation is very interesting to me, and he said it, and I followed up with that. He was going to be taken, and I know the team that was going to take him, and I'm going to keep that in confidence. They took O'Connell where they took him because he was gone, and they wanted him. And why'd they want him? He might have to play. I don't talk about future injuries. I do not talk about future injuries. But this guy, he's not Lamar Jackson. He's not Patrick Mahomes. But if you give him the playbook and say get the ball out quickly to Michael Mayer or Devontae Adams or be able to throw a quick three-yard slant to Hunter Renfro, he's supremely accurate. And he's going to absorb this playbook. And that's the need they have for him now. And they could develop him to trade him or for him to be a backup, or for him to be a starter down the road again. I normally don't talk about backup, backup, third-string quarterbacks, but this one's a little bit intriguing because of his backstory. He's married, a man of faith. He comes in here. He's got his head on right, very mature, and as Dave Ziegler said, he's going to help that quarterback room prepare. He's going to help that quarterback room prepare and be ready to go. So that's some of the things we're talking about here as we open it up. And I love having long-form interviews. It's what I want to do more in my career is to not be on a radio clock where I'm going. They're going, get out, get out, two minutes. No, not with Dave Ziegler. However, he could have stayed here till 45 or 50 after, but he's busy today. There's people in the building here. I've been in the building all morning, and uh, he was very generous with this time. I believe in him. I do believe in him as a GM. I think he's sharp which is really important, and I, th- I like his calming influence in this building. And I'm a loud rah-rah guy. Give me the rah-rah guys, too. But you got to have a mixture of all that. And I think his calmness in the draft and what he was able to do. They had Peter King, and I hope you heard Peter King. I didn't get a chance to hear it uh, this morning as I was here, but if you heard the Peter King interview, and I'm sure they're going to be replaying it here on Raider Nation Radio, those guys opened up the door to Peter King. And Dave, as a young boy, was reading Peter King in Sports Illustrated. They let him have full access. He was here for a while. He had full access to that. So you can see how they're you know, handling the organization from a media standpoint. Look, some people in the media are going to get more access than others. That's just the way the ball bounces. But I thought that was a good look for the organization and especially to get the content from Peter King. I haven't even mentioned who kicked off the show. PTs, they fuel the monologue. Proud partner of our Vegas Golden Knights as they get ready to go tomorrow. Can't wait for all that. Remy Martin, team up for excellence. We are going to be at the Palms. I need you there. Friday, noon to 2. Courtesy of Remy Martin. We're going to be in the Palms Sportsbook for a lively remote. I hope you can make it out.
1: there's a little uh, part of their room, a big board that analyzes with point totals on it, you know, because everybody now uses draft trade value charts and it was very lopsided in Kansas city's favor. So they weren't going to do it. It ended up that they uh, with the fourth pick of the third round or of the second round on Friday, they ended up trading up and getting Michael Mayer, who I think will just step into either a starting job or 30 snaps a game at least at tight end with the Raiders.
0: That's the great Peter King, JT, back in the Raider facility. Dave Ziegler for most of the first hour here. Rhett Lewis next hour. Uh, Hopefully Damon Bruce as we preview the Warriors. Yes, the Warriors. Uh, going up against LeBron James, which is going to be a big topic here in our Vegas Golden Knights. If you're in the Valley here in Vegas, if you're a Vegas Golden Knight fan, man, here it comes. Wednesday, Friday, game one and two at home against Connor McDavid and Edmonton. That is a monster. That is an absolute monster setup. You know, in order to win the Cup, you've got to beat the best teams. And Boston's the best team. They're gone. I think the toughest matchup by far for the for the Golden Knights, is going to be Edmonton. And if you can't beat Edmonton, you don't deserve to drink from the Cup. But I think, as Bobby said earlier, and I'll say it again, if they can beat Edmonton, I think they have a very good chance to win the Stanley Cup, or at least get there, obviously, if you beat Edmonton. But this is huge coming up. Everybody in Vegas is excited about all that. So that was from Peter King's podcast, and Peter King was on Raider Nation Radio with the morning show earlier today. All that content is available at LVSportsNetwork.com if you want to hear that. So as we went through most of the draft class, pretty much all of it, um, my takeaway from my conversation with Dave is these players, they're all very consistent. They were captains of their teams, high-character guys, guys that are going to come in. And he pointed out twice to me in our conversation that they start at, the, start at the bottom of the depth chart. Now, we don't have to do that as fans. I don't do that. I don't, I don't put guys at the bottom of the depth chart. I put guys in to start. But he's the GM. He's the boss. The coach, that's what they think. What they're doing is you're going to have to earn it. Now, you would hope that Tyree Wilson knows that. He understands that. He's a team guy. The story's been told on that. And the rest of these draft picks seems to be cut from the same mold. And the mold is do your job, come in here, play multiple positions, and when we call on you to do anything, do it right without penalties and mistakes. And that's what they're hoping to get here. If everything goes correctly, If everything goes correctly, as I look at my new depth chart, this is a pretty good football team. It is. Are there holes yet? Yeah, of course there are holes yet. They can fill, I think, another offensive lineman. We asked them a fan question. I think they could get a right guard on cut-down day from another team. They can find one. Uh, They could get another corner. You know, Everybody's saying, what about bringing back Rocky Sin or other players? Bring in a veteran. But they also did that. They were very active in doing that. They brought in David Long, Jr., They brought in players uh, Duke Shelley, they have Sam Webb, Tyler Hall, and Nate Hobbs. So for me, I keep focusing on Nate Hobbs. If Nate Hobbs gets better, there's no need to go, oh my God, you need another corner. You just got a corner, along with Nate Hobbs and a bunch who are going to be competing for the team. The safety position got much better because they got a safety who can start over Trayvon Merrick potentially, and Marcus Epps is going to be a starter there. I think the glaring need of this team now, glaring need, is right tackle and linebacker. Explosive linebacker. Not that Divine Diablo can't play and play at a high level. I'm not saying he can't. Not that Luke Masterson can't get better. But, you know, they don't have an elite Roquan Smith in the building. They don't have someone that could just take your head off and really intimidate a tight end and do that. But they have time to do that. But overall, I love the offense. And the offense got better. I know a lot of Raider fans wanted to see all defense like I did or close to all defense. The offense got better because they got Michael Mayer at tight end, and they brought in two security blankets in Austin Hooper and O.J. Howard. That's a pretty good tight end room with this young kid who's going to start, and I think get most of the snaps here because he's a hell of a player. And then on the defensive side, just one or two buttoned-up holes here, and I think the Raiders are a much better team. Now it's time for all the other pundits from around the league And the people on radio who every year pick Denver to win the Super Bowl, you know how many times that have happened the last two or three years, or pick other teams, now they're going to have to think twice when they bury the Raiders. And they say, well, you know, the Raiders are a year or two away. Explain why. Find out that person on the radio you listen to or the podcast. And when they're talking about the opportunity, well, the Raiders are dead, they're a year away. Find out why they're a year away. Because those people don't know the personnel like you do and like I do. And we just had the GM for over 30 minutes. If you don't think the Raiders have enough to be competitive or compete for the playoffs, call your shot. Because then we'll find out what you think is the need, and that'll make for a better radio show. Rhett Lewis at the top of the hour, along with Q Myers. This is fresh content, everybody. We just put this out. I'm telling you, this is really good. Rhett Lewis, we teed him up on this entire draft class and the Raiders depth. I think you're going to like it a lot. And Damon Bruce up in San Francisco on Warriors Lakers. Your phone calls, one more hour to go.